0: Hello and welcome to episode 346 of Fergo on the Freak.
1: I'm the upload from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at AndrewRP. Join me, as always, is the Glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter, at League Freak. How are you going there, buddy? Going pretty well, Andrew. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Can't complain.
2: That's yep. good. Yep. We'll get into <laughs> that, though. I reckon we can
1: make you complain. Yeah, uh, I don't think it would take much prompting, that's for sure. <laughs> We can start with the mild one, and that is we've 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 just um, gone through the first final match of uh, Week 2.
2: Yeah, the Manly Seagulls have absolutely smashed the Roosters. Uh, it was 42 points to 6, and it was a real bludger of a game. It just doesn't feel like finals football. The games are really poor. Um, I remember at one point I looked at the TV half paying attention to the game and there was still 18 minutes left and I was like, fucking hell, this is dragging on. But, you know, it's uh, Volandi's ball and the, all all women love seeing lots of points scored, according to Peter Volandi's.
1: Is it so, just women or is it mums with kids? Uh, I don't know if it's mums with kids. I think he just said women. Ah, uh, women's? They, they like it when points are being scored while they're doing the ironing? Is that what he's at? Pro- probably, hey. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> You see, during the week, that uh, the NRL has decided to give uh, the sixteen NRL clubs a combined total of seven million dollars. Was it seven million each? No, no, it's seven million all up. So they they get about a, a few hundred grand each for not getting home games this year. That's not a huge amount. It's I guess it's something, though. You know, it's
2: it'd be interesting to know. And obviously, they've spent way more. To have the games in Queensland, they, they because they've got to pay for accommodation and and all that sort of stuff. But it'd be interesting to know how much clubs saved from not having to hire certain venues. There would be some clubs, I'm sure, probably saved a little, a, a fair chunk of money in that regard.
1: But every club let's, is definitely so let's in the say way. the West Tigers at random. I mean, they only use 37 different grounds every year. They've saved yep. a ton of money. True, but the West
2: Tigers, like, two of their grounds are the cheapest grounds in, it, it, like, high-level grounds in Sydney to hire. And then I think their deal at Bank West, they might get paid
1: to play there. Um, so you, you say that as though we've got competent people running the club. I'm getting into this a bit early. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's
2: a good point. I, I'm trying to think, like, I don't know... I'm trying to think who would maybe have the highest cost to run games. I would bet that weirdly manly probably have some high costs.
1: Well, I mean, um, you've got all that asbestos to clear out, and
2: yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, everyone's got to pay all
1: the you got to pay all the fans to turn up. Everyone's got to wear a mask. I mean, who even owns a mask? Yeah, roosters' games be pretty expensive because you get just very little back in return for when your home fans do turn up. Having a higher flash mobs to pretend you've got a fan base. <laughs> You know, you only make about $300 in, in ticket sales, and that's if you sell every ticket for 150 bucks. Exactly, exactly. Oh, it's God. interesting that
2: they're playing these finals games at venues that have, like, 6,000 capacity. Like That they did was tonight. interesting. I did see
1: tonight's game was at Mackay. Yeah, there's
2: no doubt that's about cost saving. No doubt at all.
1: Yeah, I just thought it, it would have been... I would have thought it would have been better just have every finals match played at SunCorp. I, you know, you kind of, I
2: kind of thought that that's what would have happened, or or SunCorp, um, the stadium, SeaBus Stadium. Is it still called Sea? Is it SeaBus Stadium? Yeah, SeaBus Super Stadium on on the Gold Coast, and then uh, the Townsville Stadium. You'd think that they chop and change between those but like I've got no problems if the NRL says look we want to cut some costs here but it is funny because I was watching Channel 9's broadcast tonight and they'll learn to to um run a tv station one day it'll be really good but they had the fake crowd noise going for this Uh game and but then they'd go to half time and they'd be talking at half time and I don't know that they didn't realise that they still had the fake crowd noise going while the people at the desk were were talking. And it's just like this white noise sound. It's really weird. It's like I, I keep on expecting, you know, the, the poltergeist to come out of the TV.
1: I don't even get why they do that. No. I've seen the excuses for it, and I just go, it still sounds so stupid. Mm, I agree. People look back, and
2: they'll say, yeah, they, they had some games where there was nobody at the stadium and so they made fake crowd noise come through the screen and we don't know why to this day
0: yeah it's
1: mindless the only reason i can think of is they might do it in order to try and drown out some of the swearing well yeah i i think that you're probably right in that regard but that's the only reason i can think they'd do it because for any other reason it's it it lacks any value. It doesn't add anything to the broadcast. True.
2: And you know what? Like, I think people would be shocked at how much swearing is on a football field. Like I remember there was an incident a number of years ago and you and me were talking about it the other night. I won't bring up what it was, but, uh, and a player was heard to say something through a microphone and people were outraged. And all I could think of was like, I never played a game of football where somebody wasn't called
1: that. Yeah, that's right. It's um, there's, there's not a great deal of etiquette going on in the, the language department on the field of football. And, if, I mean, let's be honest, William Shakespeare never did play sport. Yes, that's true. I don't that's think true. we should be expecting a whole heap of playwrights to start turning up all of a sudden now. Can you imagine no. if they did, though, how interesting was- the sport would be? Well, I mean, it's soccer, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That's what soccer is. (laughs) That's hilarious. It's just a bunch of soft people who speak rather well but fall over every time someone gets within 15 metres of them. (gasps) And then the acting goes on and the carrying on. You've seen that? I hear a lot of this. (laughs) This is a funny takeout I get from soccer. People talk about how great Neymar is. Yeah. So I'd look him up and i write in Neymar Sook. Yeah. i do that with every, every soccer player, just to see what sort of crap they've done at their absolute worst. And there's just footage of him like almost being hit by someone and just going on a constant roll on the ground for about 13 rolls too many. I'm like, yeah, you're really overselling that. It's not working anymore. <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? Remember they had that soccer player, I don't know if he
2: still plays, but he, he would go around biting people all the time. Is that Cantona? No, no, it wasn't. Know, Cantona. He,
1: he fly kicked someone in the head. That was like,
2: right. yeah, he did a <laughs> um, a street fighter move on That's a. Right. Fan. But no, there was there was a player, and I don't know. I feel like he played for Liverpool, but I might be wrong. And he just had a number of incidents where he bit opposition players.
1: Actually, I remember that one. It was kind of recent too.
2: Oh, yeah, it wasn't too long ago. Is it Messi? Nah, it wasn't messy.
1: It was a pretty nah. clean bite. <laughs> See, I was thinking about how I was going to say. <laughs> 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 that in. Me to it. Yeah, I remember that. It was someone rather prominent. It was recent as well. I can't remember what it was now. But yeah, didn't mind a bite. I think he bit someone on the shoulder or something.
2: It's weird how a biter is a biter.
1: Yeah. They've, they've had a few biters in AFL. Well, we've had them in rugby league too, but... It's not yeah. going there. The, the biters in, in AFL tend to go for, um, let's just say, they like meatballs. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Not the OK ones, you've, I bad. You've, you've got like, <laughs> well, they probably taste the same. <laughs> Especially after about, you know, two hours of running around. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Steamed and everything. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got like this six foot two length, of a human, and that's the bit you choose to chew on. I don't get them. You know, they're yeah, a special that's, breed. That's a weird one. Yeah. Um, what
2: were we talking about again? We were talking about
1: uh, stadium usage in the n r a Oh, that's right. That's right now. We've moved on from that now. Managed to get ourselves under AFL players' button nuts. There you go. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: um, yeah mainly one tonight, 42-6. Um, from the few highlights that I saw, The Roosters' defense in the middle of the park was atrocious. Yeah, it was. It was. And, look, the game was scrappy.
2: There was a lot of really weird refereeing decisions, lots of six-again calls, especially early in the game, and it really killed uh, the Roosters' defense really early on. Um, Just not fun to watch. Rugby League has not been fun to watch this year. It really sucks. Because, you know, for all of the things that people would say about Rugby League when we had two referees and people would go on about, you know, the supposed wrestling tactics and stuff like that, you could turn on a Rugby League match and know that you were going to see a good contest and it was going to be exciting. And you saw two teams tactically going at one another and now it's just a, a mess and, you know, you've got referees making weird decisions and everyone's super tired and it's just not fun to watch. It, it's really not good.
1: Yeah, it's it's garbage. I mean, and that, that's the thing is when all these dopey rule changes are now impacting what should be the toughest games of the year, mm-hmm. we saw it impact State of Origin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And admittedly, Queensland weren't strong, but they've won games before and they've been clearly the weaker team. Mm-hmm. So Origins usually always a pretty tight contest. That wasn't. And now we're into the finals, and we've had several blowout scores already. Um, there's nothing that you can do to try and make the games better at the moment. It's just, even when we're putting the best teams against one another, we're still getting shit games.
0: Yeah. That's well, where we are at
1: the moment. But apparently, rem- in the past, when we remember this, in during the uh, early part of the year when the blowouts were just all the time they're saying oh you just need to wait for the the weaker teams to catch up to the strong teams well now we've only got the strong teams have they now got to catch up to the -er strongest teams yeah exactly how the fuck does that argument work now obviously it doesn't because it's a stupid argument in the first place and the thing i think about is remember that
2: year when Parramatta absolutely absolutely wiped the floor with the Broncos and they bet them 60, uh, 56 points to nil I think it was in the finals match and you watch that game and it was like the Parramatta Eels played outstanding football and they just annihilated the Broncos and you watch a game like that and you can still be like that was incredible did you see that game? We've just seen the Seagulls beat the Roosters 42-6 to six and it was crap you know. Yeah. And, and there's a big, big, big Big difference between those two performances, and you know these games are so scrappy and and then the referees are terrified anytime somebody you know gets knocked over on the ground or you know somebody gets up slowly we've got to stop the play for two minutes and make sure that you know nobody had their hair ruffled and things like that it 's just not fun to watch and it 's always been rugby league strength that. We always said, look, it's one of the greatest games you could watch, and now it's not. And the thing that's changed are these rules that they brought in for no reason at all, and it's terrible. It's made the game really, really tough to watch.
1: Well, they brought it in for one reason. that was to keep Wayne Pearce employed. (laughs) Let's be honest. What else was there? Yeah, I know, right? It's it's just sad because, like... I keep
2: waiting for the moment when the game gets good again, and it's just
1: not happening. Yeah, we don't seem to be much closer to it. No, no. Um, right, what else? What else happened before we get into this? Uh, well, Brian O is out of the Panthers versus Eels clash.
2: What uh, the happened S- there? Is there anything major? or Is it just a, a niggling injury? Well, he had syndesmosis. He had uh, surgery for syndesmosis and come back really quickly. Played last weekend and he must have aggravated it again. So he's out this week. He supposedly would be okay to go the following week if they win against the Eels, but uh, he's a big loss. He's going to be replaced by Naden, which, you know, who knows how that will turn out, but, it's a blow for the Panthers because he makes up so many meters for them um, off the back of kick returns and things like that. So, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how this game is between the Panthers and Eels. We talked about it with Elliot uh, during the week. And we, you know, the other thing we did is we talked about how you see the media talk about the hatred between the Panthers and Eels and <laughs> if they just there isn't any. and like we were both racking our brains trying to think of like any times that there's been any sort of giant games that these two have clashed in and we were like this might be the biggest like most important game they've played against one another and it was a really good conversation because like I've talked to a number of Eels fans that have felt the same way that they don't really hate Parramatta. And as a Panthers fan, you like beating Parramatta. It's always good to beat Parramatta, but we don't hate them. And Elliot felt the same way as a Neal's fan. He was like, it's great to beat Penrith, but don't hate
1: them. You know, it's just... I, think that, I reckon that part of that um, Penrith enjoying beating Parramatta thing, though, really largely stems from the, the 80s. Because that was the first time we got to see Parramatta and Penrith both competitive at the same time. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, And we mentioned that. how, Like for the first
2: couple of decades that them two clubs existed, to say they were bad is to undersell it. Like they were atrocious. Like if that happened now, there's no doubt they would fold or move them clubs. Yeah. And, and you know, Parramatta out of nowhere really become really good really quickly. And then Penrith kind of did a similar thing three-quarters of the way through Parramatta's great run in the 80s. And then it's really been on and off. Like, we were, we we're talking, like, there's never really been a time where both clubs have been about as good as each other at the same time. This is maybe as close as it's been. Yeah. There, there was maybe a little bit of a sliding doors moment in the late
1: 80s, but it was very quick. Yeah, it was around eighty five when Parramatta was starting to tail off. I mean, they did win the premiership the following year, but mm. it was the last time that they they won a premiership, and they had a very ageing roster. Mm. Um, Penrith, obviously, around eighty five. I think it was when they made their first finals appearance. Um, backed a whole heap of young talent. It's funny how that works. Yeah, I've heard I've I've heard that story before. At Penrith. Yeah, yeah. Um, put an awful lot of um, faith in a very talented young halfback.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There you go. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's always amazing how that works. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes from that. But, yeah, I, I do find it funny how the media seems to be trying to push some sort of rivalry between every single combination of games that's going on in the finals at the moment. Yeah, because there's some rivalries that are real. Like,
2: the Storm versus Sharks, there's no doubt. Like, yeah. those clubs really properly don't like one another.
1: That one's um, legit. But the, yeah. the Manly Melbourne one, that's not as legit. No. No, that's more about circumstance. Yeah, that was right. one dust-up in one game, and all of a sudden, ooh, they've got a rivalry on, fucking steady on. Yeah,
2: exactly. And but, and and then you look at, like, say, the Sharks versus Dragons. That's real. That's real. Yeah. Um, that's, well, that's a
1: proper local derby.
2: Yeah. So, Roosters versus uh, Rabbitohs. You know, yep. that's real. But then there's other ones where, as you say that, well, another one, Newcastle versus Manly. That's real. Doesn't yeah. matter where they are going, how they're going. They both like beating one another. That's right. But, you know, the the Penrith versus Eels ones, are it's just a bit different, you know. Like, if Penrith got knocked out this weekend and Parramatta got into
1: the grand final, it would be really cool to see the Eels win the grand final, you That's know. Furthermore, I can't, I can never accept that there's a rivalry between Parramatta and Penrith based on what happened when um, Penrith hooker John Farragher had his horrible injury, which left him as a quadriplegic. Mm-hmm because that was in a match against Parramatta. And mm. while he was in hospital recovering, Parramatta went and had a, you know, they, they did a few fundraiser stuff to try and get enough money for him to support him and his family. Oh, that's so beautiful. And they did not need to do that. Yeah. And this is at a time when clubs aren't exactly flush with money. It's the 70s. Everyone was struggling. Yeah. Yeah, they went and did that anyway. And you, you can't say there's a rivalry if they've got that much respect for one another. And... Then, and that's the thing. I think a rivalry needs to have a balance of respect and hate. I don't think there's any hate at all, as you said, between Paramount and Penrith. It's just not there. It's just, all you know, it's just a respectful competition that they have. Yeah, I don't, I've never watched a Paramount versus Penrith game, and it stood out to me as something that I'll always remember because of how much passion they had to try and beat one another. And I'm just going to—it's just like every other game.
2: Yeah, true. It, It's—I think it's really cool that we've got two teams in western sydney that are that good and that strong um but it's fantastic for the competition and yeah i mean there's there's just nothing bad out of it it's it's good you know and and you know they've had players go between the clubs and there's never really been any animosity that i could i can think of between the clubs when they've had players move and you know juniors are have moved a little bit between the clubs as well. It's just, uh, but you know what the media's like. Like the media this week was pushing a big rivalry between Wayne Bennett and Ivan Cleary, <laughs> and I look, I paid no
1: attention to it because it just seemed like a load of shit. As I said, they're trying to create a rivalry out of every contest wherever they can, mm-hmm. even when it doesn't exist. I mean, we've seen what they've been doing with West Tigers versus Penrith now. Ah. Oh. Well, because of some disgruntled pop plan, who didn't know whether he was sacked or whether he left.
0: Yeah, That's and basically
1: the, it. The weird thing about that one too is that, like, like
2: you look at the Panthers versus Eels, and you can say, well, it's you know they're two you know big clubs side by side, and, and when I say side by side, like the, for Sydney, there's a big distance between the two. Like it's a fair distance between the two, but um, then the West Tigers thing there's just
1: Absolutely nothing there. No. Like not a shred of anything. No. The only team the West Tigers will have any chance of a rival with is the Cowboys. And yeah. I say if there's any chance of one, that's it, because generally most most um rivalries tend to come from teams that have faced each other in a grand final. It's not a it's not a general rule, mm. but it seems to be a, a fairly solid um component in most rivalries. There's been some sort of grand final between the two. Yeah. Yeah. True.
2: Very true. And, and right. it's interesting that, uh, you know, I and I've seen it as a Panthers fan where there'll be other supporters don't like your club when it's going well. And Oh, yeah. But, yeah that's a common one. Yeah. yeah Tall poppy syndrome. That, yeah. And like it's, it, it's been kind of weird as a Panthers fan to go through that because it's not very often. We're normally good enough just for long enough that people like us and then we go away. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so, but this has been probably weirdly enough, the longest that we've been pretty successful in a row without winning a grand final. And so then there's been enough time for, you know, opposition fans and people to like just build a dislike for the Panthers. And there's something to be said for, you know, how many people dislike you and why they dislike you when very few clubs that are absolutely dreadful have people that dislike them that much. And so it's kind of like a, a pretty good marker of how good a club you are. You know, n- nobody is running around saying, you know what, I bloody, I really, really hate the North Queensland Cowboys right now. Even right now, I hate them. No <laughs> one's doing that.
1: No. No, I mean you don't find too many people out there who absolutely hate the West Tigers.
0: Yeah, and it's yeah.
1: because because they're constantly losers. Mm. They're not a threat. Yeah, no one has a rival with a team who's not a threat. It's as simple so, as that. So, on this subject, let's yeah. talk about let's talk about the review. The review. The. Uh, the west tigers i believe it was um justin Mm pasco came out and said that there would would be a review in all west tigers operations and he would be conducting (laughs) (laughs) the first thing i thought is that's like if someone who's a criminal has gone to a court and the judge says right how do you plead and he goes not guilty okay now do you think you're guilty or do you think you're not guilty? He says, I think I'm not guilty. Oh, well, you're free to go. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is just sort of sitting going, hang on, there's like video evidence of him being guilty. We've got that. We've seen it. Yeah. And,
0: and, yeah, and you know, he said I'll, he's
1: I'll, fine. You would just let him go. He's fine. And, you know, I've been thinking about this
2: review, right? And I was thinking about when you normally see somebody say there's going to be a review in Rugby League. And normally when it happens is when you've got a team that is expected to do well and something goes really wrong. And they sort of say, well, we thought we were on the right track, but something went wrong. So we're going to have a review. You see it a lot at state of origin level. Um, Yes. Happens very often at state of origin level. And so every so often you'll see a club that will sort of be thinking, look, we should be a top four team, and then they'll miss the finals and they'll say, wow, we need to do a review on what went wrong. You don't generally see it with a team that hasn't made the finals for a decade.
1: No, that's true. And look, they did a review only a few years ago, courtesy of Brian Smith. Mm -hmm. So either they ignored everything Brian Smith suggested, Mm-hmm. which is which would be very highly likely. Yes. Or Brian Smith's really shit at doing reviews, <laughs> which given the rate of success he's had at fixing clubs, I would say that second one is not true. Yes. He knows what a successful club looks like. He's built of plenty of them. And, and Brian t- may not have won a premiership, he set these clubs up to win premierships.
2: 100%. And, and there was a, a bit of criticism about Brian Smith this week, saying that he's a loser. And I I found it a bit crass because Brian Smith took a number of clubs that were nowhere to grand finals. He was a bit unlucky that he didn't have a high-quality halfback at any of those clubs that he took to grand finals. And it's funny because when I mentioned it on Twitter, somebody replied back that um, Jason Taylor was actually a high-quality halfback (laughs) around He had him, and I was like, no, nah, you needed to watch Jason Taylor's career in the finals, man. Um, but Look, he was Jason, a bit unlucky, Brian Smith.
1: Jason Taylor was um, what you would call a toiler. Yes. He wasn't a, He wasn't one of those um, brilliant creators. You won't see a highlights reel of Jason Taylor doing anything. That's no. not to say he was shit. It's just that that's not the sort of player he was. You put him in the same category as, say, Good Chad Townsend
2: yeah if if I had to describe Jason Taylor as a halfback I'd say first of all one of the greatest goal kickers of all time, no doubt about that absolutely but i I would say he gave you if you say Andrew Johns is one hundred percent right Jason Taylor gave you seventy eight percent and his 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 best game was eighty percent. And his worst game was maybe 72%. He was pretty consistent, but he didn't have the ability to kick up to the next gear, which is what every
0: great halfback needs to have. And what you need to do in a grand final to win a grand final. Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh. What happened? You just just stopped talking.
2: (laughs) Ah, yeah. I was talking about when, yeah when you win a grand final that was it that was my point. oh right okay I thought
0: I
1: thought there was more coming <laughs> no no that was it that's what she said by the way <laughs> <laughs> good save good save now look Jason Taylor he, he, that's the thing he wasn't he wasn't atrocious he wasn't shit he just wasn't as you said that elite level yeah. um, I think the other problem Bryce Smith had, didn't he come up against Wayne Bennett sides in nearly every grand final he got to well he played his first two he comes up against
2: a Broncos team in 92 and 93 that is w- one of the great sides of all time and one of the great backlines of all time. Yep. And Wayne Bennett and just the Broncos at their very best ever. And then he ends up at Parramatta, turns them into something finally and comes up against Andrew Johns in a grand final mm-hmm. and a Knights team that had – you know, a lot of premiership winning success from 97 still. And, you know, from there, he just he just always was just missing that star that yeah. could get the job done. And he was just unlucky. He wasn't a bad coach. Do you remember how many times he would come up against Wayne Bennett in, in games during the year? And, you know, the Broncos would be red hot and he would put – Brian Smith would have his team play tactics that would slow them right down. they kick for touch every time, and they'd slow the game down to their level. And he was a real thorn in the side to Wayne Bennett coach sides. He was a really, really
1: good coach. It's just very unlucky. Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I agree. I think it's pretty rude to call him a loser. I think he's mm. – um, yeah. He won 305 of 600 games as a as a coach. That's better than half. Yeah, and, and, and uh, he took he did that going to clubs that were nowhere. A lot. Yeah, of well, I mean, started at Illawarra, and that was in the early early to mid 80s when they were they were a bottom side. Mm-hmm. Um, he moved to St George when they were struggling, and got them into grand finals in the early to mid 90s. Mm-hmm. Parramatta. Remember during that Super League one, well, we might have touched on it during those episodes, how Parramatta were when just after Stirlo had retired, they went they just went missing. Yeah. They fell down the ladder. They had nothing. They they got lost. And so they went on this massive buying spree and they spent millions of dollars on this core group of players that brought them zero success.
2: Yeah, and, and it was like it was something ridiculous, like $15 million bucks they spent it's on price. Yeah, because it was it's,
1: Super League. Because they brought in Brian Smith, and in, in the space of a few years, he got them from being this expensive, overrated, overpaid team to a team that blitzed everyone and just steamed us to the grand finals. Um, yeah. Then he went to Newcastle as well, so had a big impact there. The Roosters, I think he might have went there just after they had a few dramas as well. Yeah, he stepped in as a... I think it was after Brad Filler stepped in as like a caretaker coach for a yeah, little bit. He was the there for two and a half years, three uh, years. Yeah. Uh. It's it's crazy to think that he's he always went to a shit job. Mm-hmm. But you look at where the teams were after he left. Yeah,
2: they were yeah. always in a better position. They were always a different club. They were always
1: a better club because he'd been there. Yeah. So it's It takes a real talent to do that and to to walk away when you know that the best is still yet to come for that team. And I've got no doubt in his review,
2: and you just got to look at his his record over his entire coaching career and and consultancy career in rugby league, I have no doubt he would have said to the West Tigers, junior development, junior development, junior development.
1: And we know that they didn't listen to him. They just didn't. It's the same thing that, with any luck, Tim Sheens will come in and we'll be be doing an awful lot of. Because if you remember when Sheens first came to the West Tigers, there was just this plethora of young players coming through the local juniors ranks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was the backbone of their premiership winning side in 2005. Yeah. So, with any luck, there'll be a bit of a return to that. Um, but, yeah, that's... That, that's where the Tigers are when it comes to a review. They don't know what they're doing, clearly. Um, staff writers over at Fox Sports has written this uh, article.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it says, in quotation marks, rudderless Tigers, slam for, in quotation marks again, smokescreen review, as calls grow for Brooks, for brutal Brooks, quotation marks, divorce. <laughs> that
2: is that... the worst you know, headline ever. That's quotation marks really interesting, yeah, <laughs> I and
1: mean, then the article's about former Tigers player Joel Kane, your mate Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they gave me a
0: shout
1: out <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just comments that Joel Kane had made on SEN. oh really, and the, i'm this is not criticism of Joel Kane, he's entitled to his views, and a lot of them I probably agree with yeah but it's not journalism. It's not an article about anything that's actually news. It's just rehashing what someone said and not someone within the club, just another commentator. Yeah, and just talking about what he said on his show. Like, it's not
2: like they heard Joel Kane talking about it and said, you know, rang up Joel Kane and sat him down and said, hey, Joel, do you mind if we elaborate on what your thoughts are? Yeah. They that, just listened to weird. his radio
1: show and went, "Oh, let's write down what he said and make it into an article." Yeah, it's so strange that that's now part of journalism, hey? Oh no! So right. I'm not going to read the rest of it, but that was just a, a stupid thing there. Um, West Tigers boss Lee Pentalis, hits back at season review criticism. Um, I don't know if you know who Lee is. Yeah, I don't know who he is. No, good.
2: I only only remember the names of people involved in clubs that actually do something (laughs)
1: Um, it says here he's hit back at suggestions that the club's eagerly watched season review will not strike at the heart of the issues at the joint venture following another dismal year the concerns stem from the fact that the review will be conducted by Chief Executive Justin Pascoe and Manager Adam Hartigan the very same men who are coming under increasing scrutiny following a decade of woe Chairman We'll call him Chairman Lee. Okay. That doesn't sound anything bad. No. I think on the offensive declaring the review will in no way be compromised by vested interest and that bringing an independent party would be unnecessary. Of course. Why would you bring in someone
2: independent to do an independent review? That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's utterly ridiculous. You know, here's the thing. I, and you only know what you know. Okay, so if you're Justin Pascoe and you've been running this West Tigers club for many, many years and they've failed many, many years you've been there, maybe he doesn't know what he's, he should
1: review that's wrong with the club. And that's the problem. He and clearly been, doesn't. And the thing is, he doesn't know what successful looks like. So why would you get someone who doesn't know what success looks like to try and build success when they don't know what it looks like? <laughs> exactly. Like
2: like his vast knowledge base of what a successful club is all about is like missing the eight again and again and again. Yes. It's, it's crazy that they would have even opened themselves up to the criticism by saying that they would do a review openly like that because you know, every team needs to do a review. Even the Melbourne storm, when they, get to the end of the year and they've got the trophy sitting in their cabinet. They would look at the season and look at what they've got ahead and look at their roster, look at their juniors. Everything's a review. You're reviewing everything all the time. So, you know, to come out and say, we're going to do a big review, it's like, Justin, that's been your fucking job every single day for however long you've been at the club and
1: you're no good at it yeah exactly but the idea of doing a review but having part of the review conducted by people within the club it's kind of like going to the doctor and saying look i'm not feeling well but don't check me for this and this because i've done a google search and i definitely know it's not that (laughs)
0: like
1: it (laughs) what's the
2: chances that justin pasco's review says Everything seems fine, but the CEO needs to go. Exactly. You know, and if you can't, if the review does not involve the CEO, then what
1: the fuck are we doing? Yeah, we're wasting time. Yeah. Um. I'll I'll say this about Pasco, he is good at finding ways of bringing money into the club. Mm-hmm. That, I'll. That's the one thing I'll give him credit for. That is something that he is good at doing because off the field financially, the club's doing pretty well, despite all the COVID bullshit and the fact that they always lose games on the field. Financially, they're, they're they're reasonably good. It helps that West Ashfield are keeping the the whole thing functioning. But aside from that, the football department is doing rather well. So he doesn't have to. He doesn't need to be sacked. He can just move over into marketing or finance something like that where his skills are better utilized but
2: i would say this right if you own a mclaren it costs 40 grand for new tires very expensive costs a lot of money right mm-hmm. you're spending a lot of money but you own a mclaren or you can own an unregistered car that's up on bricks and the costs are very very low and that's what i look at the west tigers and i i literally see You know, their centre of excellence is literally sitting on bricks. (laughs) Like, I'm not even joking. I've been there, I looked at the place, and it's a bunch of demountables sitting on bricks. And so no wonder their costs are low. That's right. You know, Um, I could make that work financially.
1: (laughs) Anybody could. It wouldn't be hard. Yeah. Do you have a shipping container? (laughs) Yeah, it, like if you if you run a
2: club out of a shipping container, you're not spending much on rent. So I just think that when I hear people say, "Oh, he keeps he keeps things running pretty well financially," it's like, yeah, he would want to.
1: But <laughs> that, that's his only feature. Is it at least he's not stupid enough to, to fuck that up? True. Um, but. Uh... Chairman Lee's gone on to say, I think we're more than capable of undertaking a review ourselves. And then he does a bit of flexing here. Mm. I'm a lawyer of over 30 years standing, so you can imagine I've asked a question or two in my lifetime. Well, you've always got to trust (laughs) a lawyer, don't you? (laughs) We have the ability and expertise on that board. We've engaged Tim Sheens to assist in that process. We've got a CEO who's well qualified, a general manager of football as well. There's an opportunity to use the expertise and delve into the club. No one knows the club as well as we do. No one knows what questions need to be asked as well as we do. No one knows the person involved as well as we do. This is the thing, Chairman Lee.
0: Yeah. Why what have they waiting know,
1: for then? If all of you people know all of this stuff so well, why do you keep losing? Yeah. Like, And it's That's, like, dude, I don't
2: need your resume, okay? And when it comes to his CEO and his qualifications – who gives a shit if they keep losing? Like, this isn't, this isn't a fucking seek profile, Chairman Lee. You've got to run a football club, dude.
1: Exactly. So let's just do a quick countdown, are we? How many premierships has Chairman Lee seen in his lifetime at clubs he's worked with? Zero. How many premierships has Justin Pascoe had as a CEO of a club he's been involved with? Zero. How many premierships does the coach currently have? Zero. <laughs> I don't know. Michael McGuire's got one, but not at the club. Not at the club. So that's the thing. They, all the talk is about trying to sack the person who knows what success looks like in order to <laughs> keep the people who don't know what success looks like to stay in the job in order to try and, in their mind, build success. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the thing that you keep hearing is
2: players don't really – like Mike Maguire they don't like his style it's like
0: the, the
2: fucking coach doesn't like the fact that the players roll over and die in every game as well it's fucking frustrating it really is because and here's the thing no one's accountable none of the board members the CEO they're not accountable how can you be accountable if you're doing your own review? Not even the players.
1: You know, every time they get to this point where they say, right, it's time to do a review or we're not satisfied with what's going on, every time, every time, get a new coach. Yeah. And then they complain about, oh, we can't can't attract any big-name players, and that must be the fault of the coach. And this is why Chairman Lee and the morons around him don't understand what it takes to be a successful club because the elite players... They come because they buy into what a coach is building. And they are not going to come to a club if they know there's a fair chance that coach is going to get sacked before they see out their contract. And that's what the West Tigers have been doing time and time again. Sack a coach, sack a coach, sack a coach. The elite players look at are going, I don't want to go there. Like, why would I sign up to go to a club where I don't know if the coach who's there at the moment is going to be there when I finish my contract, even though his current contract is longer than the one they're offering me. Yeah,
2: and, and when that coach is sitting down to negotiate that player and they say, look, we've got this planned for three years and stuff, players aren't stupid. They know that the coach doesn't even know if he's going to be there in six months' time because yeah. that's just how this club operates.
1: And that's why they do not attract elite players. Mm-hmm. That's why they need to hang on to Maguire because, as as Justin Pascoe said himself in the uh, the documentary, when he – yeah, you know, trying to convince himself that, you know, as a club, we like to make sure that we don't make the same mistake
0: twice.
1: <laughs> you kind of have because you've signed Potter. You you got rid of him. He wasn't sacked, but you made it pretty clear he wasn't going to be retained. Mm-hmm. You signed Jason Taylor and sacked him. You signed Ivan Cleary and let him walk and then whinged and sucked about it. You then signed Michael Maguire and now you want to sack him. All this time that you've brought in new coaches and let them walk away or you've got rid of them, the club has not succeeded, not once. Yeah. All they've done is go in a cycle of failure. And now you've got a coach in there who has had premiership success and you want to get rid of him as well. Why don't you start turning your focus somewhere else instead of the coach every time? Because all you're doing is throwing coaches under the bus to save your own asses. Yeah. And and it's, and it's fucking frustrating. I I know a lot of fans from the club are saying, Oh, we need to get rid of Maguire because the the players aren't responding to him and blah blah blah. I said that's fine. You know what? We've got rid of enough coaches in the past to know that it's not the coaches that are at fault anymore, it's the players who aren't giving putting in. So how's it about we start sacking players for a change? And here's the thing like you look at the playing roster they've got right now. If you could
2: wave a magic wand and make them play at their absolute peak of their powers that they've ever been at in their career. They're not a finals team. No, nah. they finish ninth. Yeah. At, at, at very best. <laughs> they finish like, this ninth. is a, this is a team that has very little talent on the field. They don't develop too much talent through their junior base, which is gigantic. One of the biggest junior bases on planet earth. Mm-hmm. And you know, this, they're, they're, they're their whole operation is just a joke, like like you and me are joking about their demountables and and stuff like that. This is a club that's called the West Tigers that is trying to build a, a centre of excellence in fucking Concord. What the hell's that
0: all about?
1: Well, that's the thing. They're hanging their hat on the fact that this centre of excellence is going to be open very soon. Yeah, they're going whoop de do. Like if you've got a bunch of players who are pee hearts, they're not going to fucking put in for their coach because when he trains too hard, how much fucking gym work are they going to do in the centre of excellence? Exactly. none. So why not just stick them in the demandables where it's cheaper? They're not going to be doing any extra hard work just because there's a new building with fresh paint on the wall. They, no, don't, that, they don't give a fuck. A bunch
2: of junkies squatting in a mansion, still a bunch of junkies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Beautifully put. Beautifully put. The so, yeah, the the only review they need to do is they need to change the board. Mm-hmm. That needs to change a lot. I don't know how many seats are going there, but let's say they've got ten seats on the board. Okay, they need to get one person from Bowmain on the board, one person from the Magpies on the board. That's it. Mm-hmm. Bowmain and West should only have two of the you know twenty percent of the seats. That's it. They get 10% each. I don't give a fuck who thinks they're putting more into the club in recent times or not. Don't care. Generally, don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. Okay? Give them one, one seat each, one vote each. That's it. That's all you get. Because you know what? It's the West Tigers now. We're not Balmain. We're not the Magpies. That shit doesn't exist anymore. It's we're giving them one seat a, each just to be kind. It's a bunch of people rattling
2: bones at each other saying, we're the important one. Exactly it's like, right. dude, you haven't even got a corpse
1: there. Exactly right. I give West Ashfield five you know if if we're talking ten seats, they get half of them. Why because they are propping the whole fucking thing up, so they deserve to get half the bloody half the seats, but in order to make sure they don't have overall control, they don't get to have the head of the board on there, and the head of the board gets to have two votes, yeah So easy as that. That means that if all of West Ashfield vote in favour of something and everybody else is against it, it doesn't get up. And, um, easy no as that. and then you can just have – other people could just be – you'd have Tim Sheens on there because yep. he's going to be the coaching director. You need someone Bet. like that on the board. You've got to have Benny Elias on there. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> you know, you just get people who are West Tigers people on there then. You know, yeah. Tim Sheens was not affiliated with Bowman or West. He was a West Tigers coach. You can get one or two former West Tigers-only players on there, not formally from Balmain or West, mm-hmm. West Tigers only. And I'm not suggesting Robbie Farrer or Benji Marshall, just someone who's got some idea about business, yeah, a bit of business acumen as well as some idea of how a club should be run. Yeah. Get them in there to fill it out. That's it. That way you've got an, an an almost entirely West Tigers focused board and the bullshit between Balmain and West can just, they can just put those two dickheads in the corner with the pot plants where they belong. And you two bicker amongst yourselves while the adults have a conversation. That's how that should work. All right. And then, as I said, chairman Lee can fuck off. I'm done with him. He doesn't know shit about rugby league. Go and be a lawyer. Um, uh, Justin Pascoe, Put, as I said, put him into marketing or finance. Get him out of the the decision making chair. Move him somewhere else where he can be useful and not painful. I reckon send him to the that
2: fucking AFL team that they pretend is in Western Sydney. Remember Grant Meyer made that move. <laughs> That's like sport purgatory. I reckon send him there. Is that where Grant Meyer went? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's a man with a resume. Yeah. <laughs> he was at, at the Bulldogs when they were going on their spending spree, signing up players on massive contract deals and stuff like that and turned it to shit. And then he was, I think, some social media guy over at Manly. Or, or, or it might have been the one. He had some fucking crowing. He was, was at both those clubs when they were garbage, though. And the Tigers going, yeah, let's hire him. And sure enough, like, he was shit here as well. It was some
2: embarrassing moments, but... And that's what they need to get rid of. They need some people running the club mm. that uh they've got they've got a background that's successful in rugby league. I don't care if you're a good lawyer, you could get fucking Perry Mason in. Doesn't mean you can run a rugby league club. And exactly. uh, and, and uh, although Matlock I reckon could steer the ship in the right way. Matt Matlock can do anything. He can. Who's what the, if you get his uh, award, right? What you get Columbo on there as well? Columbo, get him on. Matlock, get Jessica Fletcher in there. She can, she can, she'd write a mean book about that That club eventually. Oh, shit, yeah. It was weird. Murder, she wrote. She never actually wrote anything.
1: I wonder if she ever actually wrote the word murder. I
2: don't know. It'd be funny if they found out she didn't. <laughs> yeah. Murder, she didn't wrote. She, she was just a fraud the whole time. Yeah, she she wrote cookbooks instead. <laughs> yeah. You know why they're so they, they, write like you see movies and stuff and it's always about a writer? Because the person that wrote it think that they're the really important person. They're really interesting.
1: It's kind of like rugby league journalists. Yeah, it really is, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's where they need to start. And because at the end of the day, if Michael McGuire is the problem. We can also agree that the people who are hiring coaches are also making mistakes, because if, if they if they admit that uh, Jason Taylor was the wrong coach, that's why they sacked him, even though they also hired him, and that Michael McGuire is also the wrong coach, even though they also hired him, clearly they don't know what the right coach is, Yeah, because they keep sacking them. Mm-hmm. So if they don't know what the right coach is, Why ask them to hire the next coach? Yeah. So you get rid of those dickheads, you sort out that board, and then go, right, now we've got you guys in here. How's about you guys with no affiliation with the club and you've just turned up, you do a review of the operation here, and you go, right, this is what needs to be done. If they think a new coach needs to be hired, let them do it. Don't let these fucking dickheads who keep making the same mistakes all the time do it because we'll just get – some other plotter come in making the same fucking mistakes because of the same stupid systems in place. The the, the club is not designed to succeed. No. It's not built that way right now. And it's because yeah. of the morons who are running the club because they like the fact that they're on the board of the West Tigers.
2: Yeah, and we've seen people come through that club and leave who have really enjoyed the um, the name, being able to say, I'm the blah, blah, blah of the West Tigers. And they've come and gone and done absolutely nothing positive to the club, and that that needs to end. That really yep. needs to end. And look, I I would I would just sit down and tally up how much they have paid coaches who they've had to sack, which is in the millions of dollars, and just say we could have had Wayne Bennett for this money. You're fired. They could have had Craig
1: Bellamy. Yeah, and that's that's not even a pipe dream. No, he applied for the job <laughs> before he went to Melbourne and they said no.
2: They Look, they did a review on him, Andrew. They did a review. He wasn't Sorry, the mate. right
1: man for what their goals were. You're untested. We can't go that way. Yeah, so uh, that that's the review I'd have. That's where it's got to start. It's got to start at the very, very top. You know, as they say, the fish rots from the head. So, you know, let's cut the head off and put a new, new fish head on it. Mm-hmm. That's how that works. I'm sure it's something like that. Yeah, something like animals. Things. You know, we eat it in the end. Who cares? Um,
2: it, it it'll be interesting to see what changes they make. I I feel like Maguire is. I, I feel like they're gonna, not sack him, but I feel like there'll be some sort of ridiculous thing of like he's got six weeks. Where if if you ever give your coach a ultimatum of like you got six weeks, you got ten weeks you obviously don't think he's the right person for the job. And as you say, these are the wrong people to say who is the right people for the job because they keep picking the wrong people for the job in their own opinion. Um, But, uh, you know, my thoughts on the West Tigers are are changing very quickly and it has a lot to do with, um, you know, how the NRL competition is. Uh, And I've talked about this a bit. Uh, and I, you know, and I don't like saying it because I know you're a West Tigers fan, and and no one likes to talk about it. But if I'm the NRL, if I was running the NRL, I'd be I'd be talking to people about moving the West Tigers to Perth or Adelaide, and it's a rotten situation. And I'd it, I'd move them to Perth or Adelaide, and I'd move the Bulldogs down into their area because I think the Bulldogs would absolutely kill it with that junior base. You know the Bulldogs aren't a great team for bringing through juniors. They've never really been good in that sense, but it's hard to mess that up. And with that many juniors, and I think that they do better with it than the West Tigers. And that's just where I feel everything stands at the moment. Like that's where I feel the West Tigers are at at this point in time. And I don't like saying that, but I really do. I think the the club is at a crossroads. The other thing I is,
1: do, do you think the, like, if, if say, say they were to move to Perth, do you think the people of Perth would actually, like, buy into them? If, you, if you're a, living in sport Perth sport and you're a rugby sport. league fan, mm-hmm. and they say, right, we're not going to give you our, your own team, but we're going to give you this shit team that doesn't know how to fucking win and support them. Otherwise, you get nothing.
0: <laughs>
1: That's pretty much what they're saying. I, I know yeah. the Yeah, West... have our off-carts. We don't want them to shit here. <laughs> You make them successful. Your turn. <laughs> we can't stand having
2: these people within two time zones of us.
1: <laughs> so you
2: deal with them. Um, I don't deal with
1: these fucking bludgers
0: anymore.
2: It's your turn. I know the West Australia Rugby League has said they want their own team, but they would take a relocated team, and they're one of the few places that have really said that. You know, and they've said that consistently for about ten years. Um. And and I'm just at a point with the NRL competition, and we'll probably do a whole episode on this, where, and I've said this recently a number of times, everyone's moved, everyone's relocated, and they did it overnight. So it's not a big deal. It's not difficult. And so it just has changed my outlook on what the National Rugby League is, what it should look like, and how easy or difficult it is to get teams in markets that we need to be servicing um, and and when you start looking at it in that sense you go from the bottom up of what clubs are working and what clubs aren't working and look let's face it the number one club that is not working is the West Tigers and I would say that even ahead of the Bulldogs at the moment which is kind of crazy because the Bulldogs have been trashed for a number of years now and I still, yeah. I still think that there's more about the Canterbury Bulldogs than there is about the West Tigers, which is tragic.
1: Well, again, they've got... You know, they're stuck with coaches. Mm. So a player knows, even if they go to the Bulldogs, well, they know that, you know, the first few years might be a bit average. We know the coach is there for the long haul because this is a club that doesn't go around just sacking their coaches willy-nilly for the hell of it all the time. Well, and, and look at the plays that, like...
2: Imagine if the West Tigers had just signed Kotrick. Like, he would be their best signing for years and years and years and years and years. And And he's, you know, he's an all right player.
1: He's a winger. Yeah. He's just a winger.
2: He's just a a big winger. Uh, And you look at the players that the Bulldogs have brought in, and you can say whether they're the right players. Like, if the West Tigers had signed Matt Burton, which they could have really easily, Mhm. You know, and you just go down a list like that. Um it's sad because when the West Tigers have been good in the past it, th- they will draw 40,000 to the Olympic Stadium for a semi-final match easily. Like, yeah, of course. You know, and, and they've got that ability to be that club, but man, how many years can you go without being that club? It it's you know, do you lose the ability to be that club again, just by being so poor for so long? I don't know.
1: There'll be an awful like the next time if they ever do make the finals again. The next time they do make them, yeah, there will be an absolute novelty factor about it that people will be excited about. It. They'll go and watch them. Yeah. Oh look, it's a new team in the finals. Let's go check this out. It's just like when um, the Gold Coast Chargers made the finals in '97. First time they've ever made the final, and the only time. All of a sudden, they everyone's second team. We're going to support Gold Coast because they've never been there before. Let's give them a go. Yeah. That'll kind of happen with the West Tigers, and then it'll all dissipate the next year. Um, yeah, that, that's the way it'll be. Like, wasn't there a, a, a finals
2: match where I feel like it was like Wests versus Parramatta, and they pretty much got 70-something thousand people to the Olympic Stadium. It wasn't the grand final. It was just a semi-final or something. I'm pretty sure there was a game along those lines, or it might have been against the Bulldogs or someone like that. Um, You know, this is a team that can draw a lot of people, but I just wonder how long you can go before you lose that ability, And, and is there a time frame on that? Because you go 10 years, that's a a bloody long time between drinks, you know, that's a, a, you know, you're getting to the point where somebody that was in their late 20s that was excited about that era is now, you know, in the, towards their
1: 40s. Yeah. It's different parts of their life. That's right. I think it's the other thing that's – the one thing that's fascinating about this side is that they've not been in the finals for 10 years, yet yeah. they also have not won a wooden spoon. Mm-hmm. That, that's a remarkable – Remarkable amount of mediocrity, without being completely diabolical at the same time. That, that's that's a remarkable balancing act. You, you know, the thing that saves them though,
2: and, and I think it might be a little bit of an anomaly in there, is that you had during that time you had the bottom fall out of Newcastle, where they were absolutely diabolical, and then almost on the back of that, you had the same thing happen to the Bulldogs. And I I think that that maybe saved the West Tigers a couple of times. Like, I know they haven't really finished, like, second last in those years, but the fact that there was somebody that come along in the league that was just so much worse than everyone else during those times probably helped them a bit.
1: Absolutely. And the Tigers still struggle to beat those sides. Yeah. (laughs) It Um, sucks,
2: man. It sucks. It does.
1: Now, in other news, completely unrelated to the West Tigers, have you heard that the <coughs> the NRL is is looking at the idea of having the Dali M Awards this year hosted over two nights?
2: I, I did read that and my first thought was who was sitting down watching the Dali M saying, I wish we could drag this out for
1: forty-eight hours. I think what's happened is the same person who sat down and, and thought that was the same person who watched the Brownlow. Yeah. The AFL award and thought this is great. We should do this. problem with the ground, do... low is is they go through every round, every game of every round, from round one through to the, whatever their last round is. Yeah. And they tell you the votes for every single game. And so it goes on for fucking hours. That sounds horrible. Who would watch that? AFL fans. Oh, they're stupid, aren't they? Yeah. Um, it's nuts. So the I... idea is the first night... Which would be in week, you know, in one separate week, yeah. they'd have all the positional awards, um, captain of the year, coach of the year, rookie of the year, and then the following week would be the main medal vote count.
2: Yeah, that's a horrible idea.
1: I think it's atrocious.
2: Yeah, that's terrible. I wouldn't watch. I'd watch the positional ones. I wouldn't watch the going through every single match. Like, there's been times where they've gone through. The last few rounds, I tune out when they do, you know, most of them until the last maybe week of games if it's close. But that's it. I I tune out the rest. I'm not sitting there going, ooh, yeah, I can't believe so-and-so got three points in that game. It's like,
1: yeah, you know. Yeah, the uh, second most unimportant journalist in rugby league media, David Riccio, he said, it is also what we've seen from the NRL before. They try things different under the regime of Andrew Abdo. What has Andrew Abdo done that at all, let alone what was different? Um, That's what I thought. Yeah. We've seen rule changes, all bad. Locations of games being used, not because of the NRL being, you know. Being forced. That's all right. Mm. Um, And I see this as a byproduct of the way Andrew likes to test the boundaries of what we've done previously. That's, how, how can someone who's a rugby league journalist think that they were decisions that were made to enhance the game and not understand that they were
0: forced upon the game and they had no option other than do those things? That's... Wow. Well, let's, okay. Well, let's, the rule changes
1: didn't need to ha- didn't even need to happen. No, and they fucked things up. It's, but the locations of care. different games yeah. that was entirely forced by COVID and nothing else. That's that wasn't some genius mind you know, game plan by the NRL bosses. Well, just say that somebody said what would be something that
2: is really thinking outside the box and doing something different. And I would say things like p- playing games in different. It, like, say the NRL had a system where it played, you know, a game in uh, PNG and then a, a game in Honolulu. And then, you know, if they said, if they even come out and said, well, when the New Zealand Warriors go back and can play at home, we're going to let them play all of their away games. And like if, if away games in New Zealand, if they were doing things like that, you could maybe say it. But there's it's not like there's been any innovation in the game. Like, the game, if anything, is stagnated and contracted over the... And look, it's, a lot of it's COVID, but there's also some things that have gone pretty poorly for the game that aren't COVID-related as well, the rule changes being number one. Yeah,
1: none of those had to happen, and they weren't forced by COVID. No. But no, I, I agree in total with you there. It's... Like, say I mean,
2: they... Say we had say they had brought in a a draw where instead of it being round by round, we had a staggered draw so that we had rugby league on like six days of the week. I'd say, yeah, wow, that was an innovation. Yeah, exactly. They haven't done anything like that.
1: No. And that's something that they could have pulled off given you know, half the population was sitting at home. Yeah. Perfect time to do it really. Wouldn't it? Yeah, that would, that could have, that could have worked. Um, so uh, I don't know. I think it's a stupid idea. Yeah, I, I,
2: I think that that's. Oh, I can't think of too many things worse than sitting through
1: three, two, one of twenty-six rounds of football. I'll tell you what; would be worse is the fact that on both occasions, mm-hmm. it would be a one-hour special of NRL three hundred and sixty before it. Jeez, oh, that would make it punishing. <laughs> you know, what's really funny is
2: this year they've got the they'll have the Dally Ams, but then they've also got channel nine who is backing the players associations awards and the players associations award was interesting because it's it's voted on by the players itself but knowing that it's going to have that foot thick layer of channel nine fucking garbage on top of it I, i i won't be watching that no, I'll just be refreshing
1: yeah. the NRL website on that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, can you like, you know, they turn up to the awards and Paul Gallen tries to squeeze out a fucking sentence as he's trying to interview people. No, thank you.
1: Oh, that'd be entertaining. Uh-huh. Surely. Um, but we'll move on to, um, we've had a review. Yes, tell me the review. This is from Ghost of Radomir. It's a great rugby league pod. Five stars. Fun and enjoyable podcast with insightful analysis. Offers a different look at the game outside of the mainstream rugby league media bubble. Wow, that's
2: a really cool review. Thank you, Ghost of Radomir.
1: Yeah, awesome. That's uh, a I'm, fantastic. I'm, I'm, and I'm just glad that ghosts can type. I thought their fingers would have just gone through the keyboard and had no impression on the keys. But that's impressive.
2: All of all, everything I know about ghosts oh. comes from that movie with Patrick Swayze
0: oh, and yes. Patrick. Yeah, I remember?
2: Yeah, remember when they were um, and he was. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was able to uh, finger the pottery as a ghost. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he, there must be some sort of um, digital usage you can do as a ghost. Like you must be able to use your fingers to a certain amount. <laughs> that's about it
1: pottery and typing just pottery
2: and typing i'm not talking about anything else no
1: no no. we've made that pretty clear it's pottery mm-hmm. and typing Hmm. yes um and have we had any emails
2: we have actually we've got an email from one of our regular listeners in liam he sent this on the 13th of september he said Hey guys, to celebrate the NRL's 10th season using its current finals format, I thought it would be a good time to get your thoughts on the old McIntyre system. Do you think if the Warriors didn't have their run in 2011, we would still be using it? And was there anything at all you liked about it? I kind of liked finishing first and second got you a massive reward in that you get an easy opponent in week one. And in week one, sorry, I've lost my place. <laughs> it's because my screen is so far away from me
1: when I read these emails. I need to need to but sort I'm, that out. Well, let me say, I, I didn't like the McIntyre system. Okay, and it was because what happened was it was all based on the higher ranked teams advancing. Yeah, and first played eighth, second played seventh, so on and so forth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if the bottom ranked teams won all the games, so that meant if 5th, 6th, 7th and 8th all won their games. Uh Then teams 3 and 4 are the two teams that are eliminated in week 1. And and that's something Liam says he didn't like
2: about it. Yeah, that that, that is stupid. See, I really liked it. I really liked it. And I'll tell you why. I agree that teams 1 and 2... Here's something about the current one I I don't like. I don't like in the first week of the finals... That you can be the minor premiers and you have a harder game, a harder opponent to play than the team
1: that finished fifth. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, look, that's stupid too. Cause the systems that we'd had in the past prior to the dicking around with the McIntyre system, whatever after that, is that first would often play fourth, second would play third, and you do a similar system in the bottom, I so say fifth would play eighth, sixth play seventh. That's kind of what they did and the The top four teams would not be eliminated. Didn't matter who won or lost there.
0: Mm.
1: That's still obviously in place now. But if they wanted to make it a bit easier, they could go with, say, first playing sixth, something like that, second playing seventh, third play eighth, fourth can play fifth. And that way you've sort of got the top three teams are then rewarded for being at the top of the table by getting to play the three weaker teams in the final series. Mm-hmm. But then you, you've got to work out, what well, what happened to one of the top three teams if they happen to lose that game? Yeah. Which brings me to my next point, and that is we shouldn't have a top eight at all because no team who finishes eighth genuinely deserves mm-hmm. to be in the finals. And that is proven by the fact that most of the time teams seventh and eighth are making up the numbers. There's been, I think, two fluky runs Mm
0: -hmm.
1: from those two teams in, what, 20-odd years. To me, that doesn't justify keeping them in the finals. So I'd be ditching seventh and eighths from the finals and just having one to six. See, I don't mind the top eight. And I think if you look at the trend
2: of sports around the world, there's a general general move towards having half your teams make the finals series, whatever format you're using. And even the NBA have extended that in the last uh, season where they had the play-in tournament, which I'm surprised we didn't get brought up by some of the fucking terrible hack alcoholic journalists that uh, write about the game because they're so devoid of ideas. Um, But in the the NBA, it was brought in for a reason that involved – how teams were tanking to get better draft picks and things like that. And it it, it sort of eliminated a bit of a problem where, you know, it, half the competition was just tanking their season for a reason. Yeah. Um, so I don't mind there being half the comp making the, the finals. Although having said that, if we expand the competition, I'd still keep it at eight teams. I just think that team if your team's one or two, I don't mind you having the most advantages we can possibly give you. If you're team three and you get knocked out in the first round of the finals because you lost your game, I just have no sympathy for that team. Like if they don't like it, finish in second place. Um, I had no problems with the McIntyre system. I thought I know I know it was very complicated. Once you started getting into you know, well, if it, it, there were so many different scenarios each week. Yeah. But I thought that it did toss up some really cool um time like there was a, a game I remember where the uh the Panthers beat the dragons and the dragons come out of that game and they're like, Oh, we'll be we'll be right, we'll sort it out next week and then because results went against them, they didn't play again. They were out. Yeah. And I I, I thought there were scenarios like that were really cool. Whereas with the current one, I don't like the
1: way that the first week runs. Um, well, I've got a, I've got an idea for you. And it's a system that okay. the New South Wales Rugby League use for a few decades. Okay. The minor premier has the right to a challenge. Okay. And so the way this works is, and I'll tell you how it worked in the past, okay? okay. They had a, a four-team final series. First played four, second played third. The two winners went to the semi semifinal uh, and the winners of those two games played in the grand final. Yeah. Okay. If the team that finished first lost in the first week of the finals or even in the second week of the finals, right, at any – actually, no, it was in any stage of the finals. If they lost any finals game, right, they had the right to, you know, wait for the final series to run its course and yeah. then challenge the team that won the final in what was called the grand final challenge. So the system was essentially broken in 19, I think it was 1944. or f- Yeah, I think it was there. When it was alleged that Minor Premier's Newtown threw the final. So they won their finals match. They got through to the final against Balmain, yeah, And that they threw the final in order to make sure that a grand final challenge was played the following week, also against Balmain, in order to get two gate takings for the same match. Problem for Newtown was, if that was their case, it'd backfire because Balmain won both games in the premiership.
2: That's interesting.
1: But I don't think that's as much of an issue now because gate takings is not something that's that big of a deal for the NRL anymore. It's all about bums on seats and uh, – sorry, you know, bums in front of TVs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how would you feel if you had the, – the system runs its course as it does, yeah. but if the minor premier loses at any point, even – even in the grand final, they have the right to challenge and have a rematch or have a game against the team who wins the grand final. The following week, and what is the you know the grand final challenge, which is the absolute decider. And that way, yeah. you actually get some some reward for getting the minor premiership. Mm-hmm. It 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 feels a little bit
2: too much like a money in the bank match in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> like I just. I just, I when you're explaining all that, I just had visions of the Miz coming down with the. Um, I thought you were going to say
1: visions of the. Um, was it the that that eight system that the super eight system they had in England? Oh, that was that's
2: the worst yeah. one ever.
1: So, was, well, see, I was thinking what you could have is the whole grand final challenge thing, yeah, combined with the the McIntyre system. That way. There's next to no chance that the top team gets fucked over at any stage. I don't
2: know. Like, I don't like anything that can't be explained in ten seconds.
1: When it comes well, to, I was finance, trying to explain the history of it as well as the system itself. The system itself is a lot more easy to explain.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I totally <laughs> get it. Right, but like with the McIntyre system, the the one thing I will concede is that when it comes time to know who was playing next week like there would be people would say to me oh so who what are the games next week and i would go through the scenarios and their eyes would glaze over i would see it and i got it it's like if you can't explain in 10 seconds like the good thing about this one is that you can explain who's playing next week in 10 seconds right and i think that that was the funny thing about the super eights like You you needed an apicus and 45 minutes to work out what the fuck was going on. And to be honest with you, Andrew, I still can't tell you what the fuck was
1: going on. It had an eight minute YouTube video to try and explain it. Yeah, exactly. And the thing was with the super rates for those who don't know, and I'm not going to explain it here, but you obviously had three divisions in England. Yeah. So the super rates in super league was the top eight teams. Then the, the middle eights competition, which is one they had the million dollar challenge for, that involved the bottom four teams in Super League and the top four teams in the second division. Mm. And then the final Super 8s one was the rest of the teams in championship, the second division, and I think the top few teams in League One to see if Tinkets promoted. I promoted. Can't remember the so, last league. And so they had... Different systems along the way. In Super League, the the Super League one, all of the wins that a team had throughout the year carried over into the Super 8s ladder. Yes. Okay. So the problem you had there is if the team that finished 8th finished more than 7 wins behind the team that finished 1st, then it made no fucking difference if they won every game in Super 8s because they weren't going to get to 1st. Yes, and I believe that that did happen. A lot. Yeah, and but mostly, what happened is the latter after the, the end of the regular season remained the same after the Super Eights, which may, rendered the whole Super Eights process completely irrelevant. And can you tell me, like,
2: how many how many evenings did you sit down to get all of that shit onto your website, Rugby League Project, and just want to burn the world down?
1: <laughs> we still do. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I won't get into too much techie talk, but the problem we've got, okay, is because, as I just said, the Super League part of it meant that the ladder for the regular season had to be retained and carried over through the Super League season.
0: Mm.
1: It means that the Super Rates has to be regarded as a separate competition, but as a competition that runs in conjunction with the entire Super League competition.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which means you've then got to start creating different rules on the website so that when it does the Super Eights ladder, it doesn't include all of the teams that contributed to the Super the Super League ladder, mm mm-hmm. which got carried over into the Super 8s ladder. So all those teams that finished outside the top eight shouldn't be carried over into the Super Eights, even though they're all part they've all played a part in the Super Rates because the Super Eights is also part of the Super League. It's really. really, You're hearing already how complicated it is, and this is just the top half of it. When you started going between teams involved in two different competitions, shit, that was even more frustrating.
2: You know, it's really easy to understand once you get half hour into it.
1: (laughs) No, I've not made any headway. This is just getting more and more confusing the more I burrow down into it, But we still hate it. How can they possibly have thought that was a good idea? You know, you know what's hateful about it mm. is it lasted three years and then they went, you know what, this is no good. That might be well and good for you, Super League. We still have to create a whole heap of fucking rule exceptions on our website that have to stay in there forever for, for those ever. three stupid fucking years. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, oh, fucking stupid.
2: So so Liam has a little bit more to his uh, email. He said... Um, <laughs> <laughs> he said... Are you guys going to do some history podcasts in the off-season? Yes. Yeah. 100%. We got, we, we'll we probably do more than we did during the season. Um, and he said, I'd love
1: one on the 2000 World Cup. Thanks for the content, guys. 2000 World Cup is definitely going to be one that we do. And the reason why is because uh, Freaky knows a shit ton more about it than I do. So it's something where we can both contribute to it and both get something out of it because um, – I wasn't paying a huge amount of attention to what went on off the field with the 2000 World Cup as I had been with previous ones. So that's That'll be a good one. Yeah. We'll probably get Richard Shaw right on for that too. Cause he's, he's been one of the few people
2: that I've talked to where there's a, there's an expression that sort of comes out of someone when they know about what happened during the 2000 World <laughs> Cup. And he's one of the people that we've talked about on the podcast where he made the right noise. Where I was like, oh, yeah, this guy remembers. Oh, yeah. He still <laughs> lives with the pain. Yeah. It's like a. It's like a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost a shiver. Yeah, yeah. It's like. It's close know, to it, a shudder. It's like when you bring something up and you know the person was trying
1: to forget that. Yeah. You know? There's, there's a combination of shiver, shudder, and utter disgust. Yeah. <laughs> it's all melded together.
2: See, and they always like, look down to the floor, like, Ugh, yeah. man. oh, man. Not that
1: again.
0: See, Shake their head.
1: I, um... My only off-field knowledge of it was what you told me before about the the bloke who was running it and the the amount of financial ruin he had afterwards and how they couldn't figure out how much money was lost on it and they still don't know. I lo- I loved when we t- I can't we didn't do that on the podcast, did we? I don't
2: think so. I don't think yeah, because I loved like because I I said that to you and then you started like googling it. And uh, like you would Google it, and you'd just find a new article and a new article, and that was just more money lost and more money lost. And yeah. and like you started to get the, the uh how bad it was financially. <laughs> <laughs> it was, just... and, and then there's like the the funniest thing was when they come out with the soccer ball, <laughs> and, and you can't like there will be pic- There's pictures online showing the 2000 World Cup ball, and you look at it and you're like, well, you know, it's it's a rugby league ball. It's probably a bit fatter than normal. It's a, bit, a little bit like a fat rugby union ball. And you've got to remember that's the revised ball from the one they come out with, which was literally, it was like a, a soccer ball, uh, somebody that was, oh, you can't use them words anymore. It
1: was a slightly pointy soccer ball. It
2: was a slightly pointy soccer <laughs> ball, Andrew. And it had eight panels, and they said it was revolutionary. And it was simply because they thought to themselves, "Well, you know what? Australia's really good at throwing the ball around, so we're just going to take that handling advantage away." And every other country was like, "What the
1: fuck?" And Australia said, "No, that's too far." I wonder if we don't want to burn a podcast episode on it, but I wonder if that was that whole ball design was to um mimic, so to speak, the FIFA World Cup in the soccer because that's a that's a massive thing at the start of every World Cup. What's the ball design going to be? And I wonder if that was something they did, you know, try and get a bit of conversation, a bit of chatter about the game. Well, let's fuck around with the ball and we'll give people something to talk about. And, you know, oh, the, the ball's going to be revolutionary.
0: Well, and know. everyone looks at
1: and goes, yeah, you know what? We made one evolutionary change in the ball, and that was when we went from leather to synthetic. Yeah. And. That's pretty much all we needed to do. Thank you. Well, Job done. But, but here's the thing: like they
2: they ended up with an eight-panel ball that was pretty similar to the sort of dimensions that you'll see in a a Steeden, right? Yeah. So there there is the ability to make a ball that is is has some sort of innovation behind it. I actually bought an eight-panel ball. Because uh, Super League played with an eight-panel ball for a number of years, and I bought an eight-panel ball in 2006 when I was over there. Unfortunately, it didn't bring it back with me. But uh, that's how good it, it was. Well, well, it it like I can't remember when I had it, thinking there was anything that was weird about it. But I didn't really give it a good um, a good workout. You know, I, I didn't. Part, do a lot of passing with it. it Was just sort of kind of my the feel of it in my hands, um, and it, it seemed all right. But then they moved away from it anyway, and and went with Steeden's over there in the UK. I think they went with a a company called Rhino for a little while. But you find with Steedon there's it's a, there's actually like one manufacturer, and I can't remember who the main manufacturer is, but they basically own a bunch of different ball companies and so steeden is actually owned by a, a, another company and um I, I just can't remember who it is at the moment but the steeden is i mean there's a reason why we use it and have used it for forever like i can't really remember too many other balls we've used in australia i think if there was a, a moment we might have used a puma ball in internationals yeah um and and but over in the UK now, they use Steedens from memory.
1: Yeah, they do. Um, they changed over to Steedon two years ago, something like that, two or three yeah. years
2: ago. I'm sure it was from Rhino Balls. Yeah, uh, it was. And I never I never used or I never have even held a Rhino Ball, so I don't know if they were a- any better or any worse. But, yeah, the eight-panel ball was could have been its own revolution and something that they said, look, we're coming out with this and it would have been fine. But when they they... They literally made, like, a a pointy soccer ball. It was
0: ridiculous.
1: (laughs) But ever so typical of what went on that that year. It was fantastic. Oh, it was (laughs) like
2: it might not even make the top 10 most ridiculous things about that World Cup.
1: Yeah. But we'll definitely do an episode of that because I think it'd be, uh, well, be good for a laugh looking back on it now. It really will be. (laughs) Oh, that's a good email, Liam. Thanks for that. Yeah, thanks, Liam. That's great. And uh,
2: I suppose that should probably wrap this one up, shouldn't it? Yeah, it's a, cool to do a long chat, uh, just a long format. Most prolific rugby league podcast
1: in the world, Andrew. That's us. Yeah, we're the best. We are. That That is us. That is we. We are them. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, people, make sure, before you do anything, you can do it while you're listening to this podcast if you haven't already. Go over to our Patreon sites. So patreon.com league freak and patreon.com RL project. And uh toss a few, a few coins our that way. That'd be fantastic. Um, also you can check us out on, uh, on the socials on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo freak pod. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. Um, so check all those out as well. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, and just like a heap of, of heap of the videos there, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricky, tell me about the website, mate. We have a website. Well and it's done, cool. see? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can access it on your mobile device, on your phone, on your tablet, on your laptop, on your desktop. And what you can find on that website is lots of information about our podcast. The website address you put in is league it's furgo sorry i messed it up it's furgo and the com. and if you go there you can find all of our episodes you there's a you click on the history button it shows all history episodes you click on our guests you can see every single guest we've had on uh you can listen to every single episode you can find all of our links and all of our websites and stuff on there it's a really cool website and i think you should check it out
1: absolutely what's another good website they should check out? The one you were about to say before? Rugby League Project. Just say that one you said before. You were going to say before. What one was that? Uh, The LeagueFreak.com one.
2: Oh, LeagueFreak.com. Yes, LeagueFreak.com is a little thing that I started back in 2004. I I started it because I was getting kicked off of forums because (laughs) people that run forums are generally a bunch of. Balding, fat, slovenly losers that didn't like that I had a personality. And so I started a website where people could find me when I'd get kicked off them forums. And it just so happened that that website became an absolutely outrageous success. And there's still people that hate the fact that the website has been going for so long. So go there, bookmark it, have a read of some of the stuff I've written, and know that every single time you go to that website, you piss off some balding idiot.
1: Probably from the UK. And if that's, not, if that's not motivation enough, nothing will be. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's... Tell
2: that's me agree. about your website,
1: Andrew, because I've heard you've got one. Yeah, it's org. It's just a bunch of stats and numbers and um, the convoluted mess that is the Super 8 system. <laughs> 75% of the website is just...
2: Code, code.
1: it's code eights. and query trying to build the super the super eight system for three years. The <laughs> other the other 120 years is just a piece of piss. But those yeah. three years, <laughs> easy. Those three years. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I didn't have to write it either. I, I, I only had to try and explain how how it all functioned to someone who had to write it. all. Poor Sean had to had to find a way of showing all that. It's still a pain in the arse. <laughs> oh man.
0: Yeah, you go there
1: for all sorts of Rugby League history and uh, match details. We've got the match details of every New South Wales Rugby League game from 1908 till 1952 on there, Mm -hmm. as well as every game from 1974 to last weekend. Mm -hmm. So we've just got a chunk 53 to 73 left to finish off.
2: Um, Yeah, that's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, All the records, all the stats... Anything you really wanted to know about rugby league's history is all there in black and white. And it's just the number one, I think it's the number one sporting statistical website in Australia. It is and for me. <laughs> it, without question, the number one rugby league statistical website on planet Earth. Every other website that tries to do rugby league stats is a pale, pathetic imitation.
1: You know, I agree sold sold i'm going to visit this website now yeah i'm going to check it out yeah absolutely (laughs) i only ever heard of it i've never fucking been there yeah you know you said it was all in black and white yeah we've got a new feature on there too it's been around for a little while now but we haven't really sold it too much
0: yeah
1: it's got dark mode as well oh really yeah so you can either check it in black and white or you can check it out in black and green black and green let me check this out i haven't noticed this when did you just do this
2: Ah, oh, probably
1: about three or four months ago.
2: I've got to find the link to it. Okay, so uh, how do I do this?
1: Okay, if you go to the very bottom of the
2: homepage. Oh, dark you see... mode. Yep. Okay, go to enable, yes. Save settings. Ooh, I like this.
1: It's nice, isn't it?
2: Yeah, let me have a look. Let's go to players, go to L. Let's go to Pierre. Galaxy. I don't know. I'm Australian. I'm not fucking French. He played for France between the '60s, 1960 and 1967. Twelve appearances, forty goals, eighty points. Won six games, lost four,
1: drew two. That was when France were at the tail end of their uh, golden period. Their golden period was the uh, 19, about 1954 to 1964.
2: Yeah, he's from South France. Uh, Most of them were. He, he died when he was 61 years old, hey? Eh?
0: Yeah,
1: there's some there's some history. Who would have thought we would have had French players, dates of birth and death on there as well, hey? Eh?
2: Yeah, look, th- this is the cool thing about this website, right? Like, I literally just went to it, and all of a sudden you're getting, like, deep into the history of the game. What we should do is we should have an episode where we just, like, go to a random page you know when we have those nights when we do that and we don't record it and yes. we end up, like, talking about some Fijian player that, you know, we'd never even heard of that come to the game and he said he was, you know, he said he was 21. It turned out he was 32.
0: <laughs> I love
1: those players. There was a few of them. Yeah, and they, they play like they're 21 even when they're 48. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> That, i love I love Poppy like, New Guinea players. I can I could watch the way they play the game all time. Stanley Jean. He's still yeah. he's still 38 somewhere. He's probably still playing too. I bet
2: he is. I bet there's some like local comp he's playing in. Got it, can
1: man. you ma- can you imagine how strong Stanley Jean is? He 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 could probably go into those um world strongman competitions and just finish first. Without even breaking a sweat. Probably. You know those what are they, Those big concrete boulders they're going to lift up?
0: At, uh, Atlas, Atlas
1: stones. Atlas stones, those. Yeah. I mean, everyone else gets there trying to roll it up their gut. He'd just pick it up and just carry it on his shoulders. <laughs> Walks in, spinning
2: it around, his fingers like he's Magic Johnson.
1: <laughs> no, I don't know what you blokes are all huffing and puffing about. These things are piss easy.
0: Yeah, Drop them on yeah.
1: the ground and just look at everyone and go, fucking run at me.
2: <laughs> i love people from Papua new guinea they're just so different it's like they it's just this completely different it, it must be so crazy for some of the png players who come from like they come from really deep within png and they make their way through the grades and they end up playing in just even in the Australian lower grades. It just must be like traveling to Mars and playing, you know, it's got to be the most incredible journey
1: ever. That's right. It's, uh, they've all got fascinating stories too. That's what's great about it. Mm. And they just, they love the game more than pretty much anybody else does. Yeah.
2: Fantastic. And there's no doubt they're the toughest footy players on earth. No, Just oh, not a question.
1: I'm genuinely built out of either teak or fucking rock. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And yeah, and that's just, I just love the way they just they run at 110 miles an hour and everything they do. Oh, they're
2: brilliant. Oh, I want to see them play an international, hey? Is oh, by the sp- way, there's going to be gonna internationals. Say, yeah, England's going to play France after all. Funnily enough the Rugby Football League have pushed back the King of Rugby League awards.
1: Yes, they have. The arseholes. <laughs> so now we have got to wait to determine whether it's going to be an Englishman or a freshman who gets to be dubbed as the greatest player in the world. How's this for you? What's the bet? Yeah. yeah last year there was only the game between Germany and the Netherlands. It was the only international played. Yeah. And they decided we we're not going to have the Golden Boot Award this year, because there's only one international played. <laughs> What's the bet that rule gets revoked because England plays an international this year against France? You and I both know the answer to that. Eh, I'll keep your, eye peels, keep your eyes peeled on that one, people. I, I can't wait to see who it's going to be. Yeah. I better be English. And if they do it, I'm going to go out there and advocate for anybody who played in that game last year to be named... Um, Player of the year, golden boot winner. Well look,
2: we did it. Right? Yeah, we did. We did it. And the the it was the case of like if it's international football and it's played, this is the international player of the year. And we didn't like it just was what it was. And I think the fact that they didn't allow them players in that game to be, you know, nominated or to be able to win that award, we both thought it was a disgrace. So if they do it this year. It just shows the double standards that they have over there and just m- more fuel to the fire to their disgraceful, disgusting
1: behavior in England. Fully agree. <laughs> <laughs> Fully agree. All righty. Well, that's uh, that's a brilliant way to end the episode. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And uh – as we said before, make sure you you check us out on your podcast listening app. Leave us a review and a five star rating. We'll read it out on the website, uh, read it out on the podcast, and pop it up on our website as well. Make you a little bit famous while we're at it. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll let you all go.